Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Dear Father, I do thank you and praise you for just being an awesome God, for working uh, in our hearts, in our lives, and that you are a God of instruction. You are a God that cares for us and that you are a God that is there for us. And just as we know that you are here today in this church, I pray, Father, you'd continue to reveal yourself, manifest yourself to us. I, I thank you, Father, and I give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have been uh, going through the uh, life of Elijah, and uh, we're going to watch where Elijah has been a very bold, radical uh, a prophet. Uh, he, he's, he's been somebody that's been in the king's face, and we've watched this king Ahab pop up onto the scene, and uh, Ahab has been a very wicked, wicked king. He married, oh, Jezebel, uh, the uh, epitome of all that is wicked and evil. And they had a, a, a policy of killing the prophets of God, Jehovah, and they were instituting and bringing in their own prophets of, of Baal. And, 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 and Baal was, was a, a, a false god of the Sidians up to the north, and they were maliciously coming after them, and were watching a massive confrontation. And Elijah turns around, and he comes up to the king and he says, very boldly, he says, it's not going to rain until I say so. God's upset at you and a drought is coming because of the wickedness of your heart and in your life. And we watch then for three and a half years, there's no rain on Israel. And it's a, a, a terrible time. And now Elijah is coming back to meet the king and say it's going to start to rain. But he wants to have this major confrontation. He's going to ask everybody to come to Mount Carmel. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not a, a, a native of Ohio. I was born and raised in Massachusetts, joined the Marine Corps, was stationed in California and lived there for about five years. Then I lived in Arizona for about three or four years, and then I came out here in 1989. And, and basically, I always thought it was kind of weird when you drive around and you see a hospital, and the hospital is called Mount Carmel. And I always said, that's a really strange name for a hospital, don't you think? And, and you ever thought about it? Why would you name a hospital Mount Carmel? Well, by the end of today, you should know. And we're going to see that some things happen on Mount Carmel that are very important and very big. I think we have one of the coolest chapters of the Bible in front of us because it's going to be a major confrontation. And we watch then where there's a, a hatred between the two sides. And we left last week at uh, 18, 1 Kings 18, 18. But we'll read 17 and 18 to give us a little flavor of where we're picking up. And it says, And then it happened, in verse 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, that's the king looking at the prophet, that Ahab said to him, Oh, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I haven't troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. And, and as you would, we're watching then a, a blame game going on. Uh, uh, and, and as I've said, it's, it's always amazing how 
people can blame us, the good guys, for doing something wrong. Elijah is being called the troubler of Israel. And Elijah says, don't look at me. It's not my problem on what's going on. It's your problem. You're the one that's following into sin and bringing the wrath of God upon the nation. And, and we always get castigated, thrown in, lumped in with people that are troublemakers when we're standing up for righteousness. And, and it's always amazing sometimes, just as being happy, smiling, and, and doing what you can, you get, you get thrown in and blamed and hated. Uh, Let me tell you the worst place in the world for you guys ever to eat here in town. And just a little unrecommendation. I I, I took a job at Frisch's. And I just want you to know, Frisch's is the the worst restaurant you could ever eat at. And if you like Frisch's, I'm sorry to offend you. You're a little crazy in my mind. I I managed it for a few months. And and I, I, I took the job. And I managed Skyline for a couple of years, and then I took a job as an assistant manager at, at Frisch's. I went through like five weeks of training in Dayton, and then I came back here, and I was supposed to work over at the store over on Main Street before they closed it down for being a cesspool, I think. But it, 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 I show up day one on the job, and you know, here I am. I'm a graduate of Bible school, happy little skippy, little born-again Christian boy, you know, and I, I don't even think I was pastoring then. And, and uh, uh, you know, I was just a simple guy, but the first day there, I meet the manager. I'm supposed to be the assistant manager. Here's the manager of the store. And it's a lady. She's a couple years older than me. And she's sitting over there crying in the corner. And, and you know, you're like, is everything okay? And she goes, well, my dad died yesterday. We just did the funeral, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, she's just morbidly depressed and, and you know. And she takes a look at me, Mr. Happy, with a smile on his face, and she immediately hates me, just immediately. And I'm telling you, I worked there for like three months. It was one of the worst jobs I ever had. It was one of the only jobs in my life I ever walked off of and said, this is it, I quit, I can't handle this. And, and, and you, you sit down and realize that she just hated me from day one because I represented you know, uh, a happiness and joy at death, supposedly. And you ask her, says, well, how did your dad die? And the answer was, well, he drank himself to death. Boy, it's real hard to put a good spin on that one, isn't it? And, and it's really hard to say, well, I'm sure he's in heaven. And it rang really hollow. And uh, it's like, no, it, it, it's a painful process. And, and, and really, you just get thrown into a mess sometimes. And you're automatically thrown in and, and hated. And it's like, gee, I, I, I came here with a good attitude. I wanted to work. I'm doing everything I can. And and, and boy, it, my life was hell for three months. And, and, and you know, y- y- you just get thrown into that. And here's Elijah. It's the same thing. He's like, hey, you know what? I, I'm telling you what God's doing here. And you're getting mad at me calling me the troubler of Israel. I'm not the problem here. And, and sometimes as we, we walk before the Lord, uh, we have a joy about us that the world hates. And, and, and we get, you know, the, th- the stones thrown at us. And, and here, Elijah is, is in the midst of this. And, 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 and we're watching this confrontation going to take place. And we jump into verse 19, fresh for this week. And he says, Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So really, we're getting 850 prophets are going to be showing up, right? 
And so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel, get the whole nation together, and he gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. It's going to be showdown at high noon. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, well then follow him. But the people answered him not a word. That's a good time to shut up. And they're saying, wow, but but this is going to be the showdown. It's going to be a confrontation. Let's bring this together and see who's in charge. Why are you guys faltering between two opinions? And, and in all honesty, a lot of us today like to falter between two opinions. We want to have one foot in the world and one foot in, in God. We like to go out and party and play on Friday, Saturday night. And then on Sunday, we're going to come to church and look all happy and smiley and think, well, you know, I can go out and party, ha, 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 and get away with what I want. But on Sunday, I'll, I'll say I'm sorry and make up for it, and it will start all over again. And, and you know, if anything upsets or, or infuriates God, it's you and I walking in both worlds. And, and, and he wants us to be committed committed to, to where we're going. And, and Isaiah is saying, let's have this out. Let's do this. And he gives a, a very simple proposal. <laughs> He says, verse 22, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's uh, uh, prophets are 450 men. And we're going to get into this next week on some of Elijah's uh, problems. I'm thinking he's the only one around. But he's saying in so many words, it's me against 450. How's that? And he says, therefore, here comes the, the contest. It says, verse 23, Therefore, let them give us two bulls, And let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And then you call on the name of your gods, whatever they are, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and they said, okay, it is well spoken. We're going to have a showdown at high noon. We're going to set up on a hill. We'll build an animal sacrifice of a bull and we'll cut him into pieces. And then we'll call down fire from heaven. Whoever can get their God to have a flame come down from heaven's got the true God. How's that for a deal? That's pretty good. I'd like to see that. That that, kind of is like God pretty gutsy, you got to show up. And I don't know about you, if you've ever been in a situation where you've prayed or you've talked to or you've witnessed to somebody and you said, hey, God can do this. And then you're like, okay, God, you got to come through now. <laughs> and there's that moment of fear where we can have a lapse of judgment and, 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 and a, a lapse of, of, of confidence in God. And Elijah, as we said, was very bold. He's turning around and he says, I want to see fire come down from heaven. If you got a God that's up there, let's see him show up because my God will show up. Woo! Now, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, verse 25, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. And uh, for you are many and, and you call on the name of your God, little G there. But put no fire under it. No matches, no big butanes going on here, no tricks. He says, so they took the bull, which was given them. They prepared it, hacked it up, and they called on the name of Baal. Woo! 
from morning uh, 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 even till noon. And they were saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Why? Because there's no God. And they leaped about the altar. They escalated to the next step, which they had made. And so it was at noon now. And Elijah started to mock them. And he said, cry out loud, oh, for he, if he's a god, well, maybe he's out meditating. You need to wake him up. Or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and he must be awakened. Yell a little louder. And so they cried out loud. And then they elevate the game to the next level. And they cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And then midday was passed. Here it goes to the next level. They prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. <laughs> and so this is the, 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 the false prophets, and they're giving it their, their gosh honest best shot at, 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 at getting their God to show up. And, and notice it's a progression of events, if you would, where it starts off with simply calling on the name. And they're calling out and they're going to say, hey, you know, Baal or whatever this thing is. And, and come on out, come on out. And, and somehow or another, it, it, it escalates into the, the leaping and the jumping around. And I, I don't like to put down other churches or religions or practices. And to be honest with you, it, 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 sometimes I can be a little jealous. Uh, our church, God bless us. We, we have a problem with being able to clap. It, it, you know, we're very weak. It's been getting better the last, you know, couple months, let's say. But over the years of 20 years or so, we've always been way out there. And sometimes I go to a church and you visit someplace, and man, they can not only clap. They got everybody clapping, but they can clap in harmonies as well. You're hearing a boom, 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 and a boom, 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 and a boom, boom, and I'm like, Wow, you know, I can't even get boom, boom, boom out of a congregation, you know? And, 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 and you can almost be envious of that. But, but sometimes it's the jumping around, the leaping around, and the clapping that, that, as they say, it's more perspiration than it is inspiration. How's that? And sometimes we want to jump up and down, and if we're really working up a good sweat, well, then obviously it must be God's in the room because we're all sweaty. And you're going... Yes and no. I, I, I wish, you know, we want to be exuberant for the Lord, but sometimes it's a, a, a hyper push. And then all of a sudden it goes to the third level where now all of a sudden they start cutting themselves. And, and, and you know, it, it is weird that people would go to that level in, in, a, in a form of worship. There's a, a, a sickness of some people that, that get morbidly depressed and they start cutting themselves. They, they're called cutters. And they'll sit down and take a razor blade. And they start slicing their, their own flesh. And, 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 and it's really sad to see someone who's cutting themselves with a razor blade. And, and you get a, if you talk to people that do it, and I've had a couple of people in my office and, and, and say that this is a practice. And, and they say, when I do that, it's the only time I feel alive. Isn't that weird? You're cutting yourself, you're bleeding. And the other response you get is people would say, say, when I do that, 
I like the taste of my own blood. And, and you're going, wow, that, that's warped. And, and if your religion's leading you to cut yourself and to drink your own blood type stuff, you're doing something wrong. Okay, I, I'll just leave it at that. And, 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 and Christianity should be there. But here, in order to entice their God, they believe that if they cut themselves as a sign of their commitment and sacrifice, it's going to actually get God to move for them. And then it gets even weirder if you watch this, if this is an escalation. And then finally, it says that they started to prophesy. Now, to prophesy is saying, I'm speaking for God. I'm speaking out God's word. And, and it is sad that churches sometimes, in order to manifest God, they, they start this prophecy thing. And, and you hear, you know, thus says the Lord and thus says the Lord. Sometimes it's thrown around all over churches. And sometimes it, it gets a little wacky. Well, thus says the Lord, the Lord told me that you need to divorce your husband and marry me. (laughs) Really? Now, last I checked, God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't contradict himself. He doesn't change. And if God says he hates divorce, and now you're saying that he wants you to get a divorce, there's a contradiction there. And, 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 you know, the thus says the Lord and the prophesying starts to overtake and override the word of God. And we, hopefully at Calvary Chapel, want to keep the word of God as the center of our lives and change ourselves according to what the word of God is asking us to be, not changing the word of God to suit us. And, and that's where things get really, really wacky. And, and it takes us to be students. It takes us to understand what, what they're asking for. And, and even though they called out, they leap about, they cut themselves and they're prophesying, the, the idea is, is they're still saying it to nothing. And, and, and the heart of Christianity is to say, it's not what I do to serve God. It's who and what God is and that he can change me. And, and if we understand that, we don't put our faith in faith, we put our faith in God. And God is the substance, he's the reality. And if we're not basing that on a true God, if we're going to worship Baal, what do you get? Zzz, nothing. And, and, and so it's important that we sit down and say, what is God? Who is God? And, and, and the, the word play here is, is that here's the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, our Jehovah God of the Bible. And, and, and this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you would, the one true God. And then we understand the rest is that there are no other gods. It's all fake. It's all images. It's smoke and mirrors. And people with a lot of hype can, you know, make up a, a, a false god that, that they're not really worshiping the true god. And we watch then Elijah. Now it's his turn. He's up to bat. And Elijah said to all the people, verse 30, he says, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, uh, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And then the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two, yes, two, sayas of seed. And at that point we go, wow, that's a lot. How big is the say? I'm not really sure, but it's about a barrel full. How's that? 
And, and, and we, we get the idea that he's restoring and rebuilding uh, an altar to the, to the Lord. And he's rebuilding and he's saying, don't, this may have been discarded, but it needs to be rebuilt. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces. He laid it on the wood and he said, okay, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Don't forget, we're in the middle of a drought here. Water is more precious than gold. And he's like, throw it on there. And then he says, do it a second time. Yay. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And so the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. So he's like, there's no spark that's going to start this thing. It's drenched with water. It's a lagoon, if anything. And it came to pass, verse 36, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and he said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known to you this day that you are God and in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And bam, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust that was licked up with the water that was in the trench. And now all the people saw it. They fell on their faces and they said, whoa, the Lord, he is God. Whoa, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Woo! Now that's a radical statement. You're watching a couple of things. Elijah, even though he prepared three times with the buckets of water and he did certain things, it was just one prayer. He just said, Lord, I need you to show up. And bam, the lightning comes down, licks up everything, consumes everything. And everybody got a complete visual effect of God. God came down and took it. And you go, man, I wish I could do something like that. You know, I want to show you God. Let's go out to the parking lot and bam, I'm going to have some lightning come down. It's got to hit the top of the pole. It's got to hit something, you know, on a clear day. And, and, and to see the demonstration of power, but his prayer is critical. He wasn't praying like the prophets of Baal to nothing. He was praying to the one true God. He named him, you know, God of Abraham, Isaac, and, 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 and Israel. Specifically, the God of Israel, show up. That's the real God. That's the obvious message here. And then all of a sudden, we also see that, 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 that his prayer was something that was for someone else besides himself. And for you and I, if we really want to see the power of God work in our lives, you got to get past the me, my, and the I type stuff. And really, when you start to pray and, and say, Lord, I've been witnessing to somebody. I've been trying to get them to see you. I need you, God, to show up in their lives to show them. That's when the power of God starts to be unleashed. And, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of our prayers are, are hyped up on ourselves and, and not for the goodness of someone else. And, and as we watched Jesus come into the temple with a whip, 
We know that he turned over the money changers and ripped it apart. And there was a, an anger. There was a viciousness there because Jesus was turning around and saying, you know, you can, money changers are ripping off the poor people. They can't come into the temple. And Jesus says, my father's house shall be a house of prayer. And he wanted to open up the doors for people to come into the church and get rid of the money changers that were keeping people from church. And, and, and sometimes there's a, a call for you and I to take action. And God has a tendency to move when we're in the position to take care of someone else. Not, Lord, I got a problem and I need this and I need this and this and this and this. Take care of it. And God just goes, you know, get out of here. I'm, I'm not here to, to, to be your little genie in a bottle. And, 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 and yet we, we're watching a, a, a simple sequence where... Where, where something radical happened. And if you watch this, you see this in a lot of the Old Testament prophets where they pick up the machete and they start hacking heads off. I don't know how you guys would feel if, you know, Pastor Dave Brown was having a problem with somebody in the church and I picked up a machete and I cut their head off. And you'd go, oh, praise the Lord. Let's all just sit back and have a fellowship meal. And, 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 and yet we watched that with Samuel. Samuel went up to this uh, king, uh, Agai, and he hacked him to pieces. And he says, this is what you do with a, a foreign king. And we watched that with David, where David went up and hacked people to pieces. And he was doing it for the Lord. And, and there's so many times we see that, that men of God uh, are, are, are actually striking out. And, and for you and I, we, we, I think I'd have a hard time with that. Uh, watching somebody and says, I'm a man of God and I just butchered somebody. And, and yet the truth is, is that for you and I, the calling is really one and the same. For us to be able to go up and to execute a couple of the prophets of the false gods. God doesn't want us to be deciding between two different opinions. We have to make up our mind. And sometimes as we got a foot in one world and the other, for us to be committed to the Lord, it requires you and I to be able to say that I'm not going back to the other way. I'm not going back into the world and I want no part of that world. And it causes us and calls us, I think, to viciously execute things out of our lives. Now, I'm not asking you to pick up a machete and kill anybody, please. But I am asking you to say, I bet you there's things in our lives that all of us, and I just said all of us, including me, we have we have a tendency to keep things of the world around. And, and God is asking us to say, get rid of that. Kill it. Kill it. You don't want that in your life. And there's things that we need to put to death the deeds of the flesh, it says in, in Romans. It, 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 we, have to, we have to die to ourselves in many ways, and we need to stop certain voices. And, and the truth is, is the more, the more we can be committed to God and put away the things of the world, sometimes the more we start to see of God in our life. And you can put that the other way. The more we stand in the world and want worldliness, the less of God we see in our life. And you're watching a radical showdown at high noon. You're watching where God shows up, strikes down the thing, and all of a sudden the people are now all for you. This is a euphoric state. It's a wonderful place of seeing that, that God shows up and 450 of the prophets are put to death, and it's a, yeah, we got them. And, and, and sometimes if you want that in your life, you've got to be radical. 
And, and if you're not radical, then you wonder, how come I never see that in my life? And God's asking you. I think he's here today. He's asking you to step out and, and, and be a little radical. Live, live for the Holy Spirit. And, and we're going to read a few more verses here. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. He goes, hey, I hear a storm coming. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And there he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, he says, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went and he looked and he said, ain't nothing there. And seven times he said, go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, hmm, he comes back, he goes, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand. It's just, you know, rising up out of the sea. And so he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So it's like the middle of a drought. And Elijah says, you better get going home because your, your chariot's got to get stuck in the mud. <laughs> and Ahab's like, mud? We haven't seen mud in forever around here. And now it happened at the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He beat the chariot on foot. That's impressive. And we watch then, we're going to end there for today. But the idea is, is that it takes a level of persistence. Notice it's seven times. He didn't say this time, well, you know, I'm just going to call down fire from heaven. And now the rain's going to come. It took him seven times to send in a servant back and forth and back and forth. And there's no answer, no answer, no answer, no answer. And then the cloud comes up the size of a fist. And he says, here comes the rain. It's a coming. And, 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 and honestly, it takes for you and I a, a, a certain level of commitment uh, and persistence. How's that? Uh, yes, I want to, to be able to instruct you that, that God can and does answer prayer. You could possibly call down fire from heaven if need be. Yeah, you. And, 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 and yet also, sometimes there's, there's a call in our life for the persistence of prayer. Jesus taught us, he said, prayer is like the woman that, that goes to the judge and, and she nags him every night and finally the judge says, I'll settle in your favor. You know what I mean? And, and we needed to be like the, the widow that goes to the judge and say, please find in our favor. And there's a, a level of petitioning the Lord. Yes. And, 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 and we need to see that there's things that combine in our life for the effect of what's happening. But all of a sudden, the rains do come. It does happen according to his word. And we're watching these things start to take place. And, and, and for you and I, it, it, we need to grow. We need to have that level of commitment in our lives to say, Lord, I, I want to make a radical change around me. I'm tired of the same old, same old. And, and it takes, if you would, a little bit of, of determination. It, it takes us to have faith in God, the right God, and, and, and to walk in that level of faith that we can start to see results. I, 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 I hate to, to, to close a sermon with a quote from Woody Hayes. He's not a godly man in many senses, but he, he made a statement that was on the commercial. And it says, as Woody Hayes used to always say, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. And, and, you know, that is so true 
that it's not built upon our outward stature of how big we are that we're going to accomplish anything. If, if there's fight in our heart, if there's a determination to go forward, we sometimes, we, we have to be able to say, Lord, I, I'm not giving up, I'm not quitting. And, and, and there has to be this idea that God can come through and vindicate us. And when our attitude is, no, he won't, we'll just quickly surrender and quit. The old adage is, is, is you, you, the sermon illustration is, you take a frog, you put him in the pan of water. And, and the frog can't jump out of that pan because of the Teflon sides of it. And he'll sit down there and he'll swim for about five minutes. And then he turns around, he surrenders and succumbs to the water and he drowns and he, he's dead. And, and you go, uh, uh, no, it's not a frog in the story. It's a mouse, right? Frogs can swim underwater. And uh, uh, the idea then is you take the, the, the mouse, right? And you take him the, uh, another mouse the next day. You put him in the same pan of water, and he swims around for about five minutes, right? But at the four-and-a-half-minute mark, you reach down with your hand, you pick the mouse up out of the water, and, and, and all of a sudden, you, you dry him off, you let him rest, and then you, you wait till another day. So the next day, you take the same mouse that was just in there for four and a half minutes and you took it out. You put him back into the, 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 the pan of water the next day. And now all of a sudden, he's swimming and swimming and swimming. And that little mouse will swim for 25 minutes. He's convinced. He goes, if I just keep swimming, Mr. Hand's got to come down and take me out. So he can keep on swimming. But if he doesn't have the hope of Mr. Hand coming down to save him, right, he's going to drown in five minutes. He'll give up. And, and it's really the same thing for you and I. We go through life and, and, you know, we can go 20 minutes. And yet after five minutes, most of us quit. And we go, no, ain't no help. It ain't got to work. God will never come through. It just doesn't happen like that for me. Uh, I'm just a wicked person. And we shoot ourselves before we even give ourselves the opportunity. And, and, and God is asking you and I, as we look at a, a Mount Carmel experience, to say, it does happen. God does come through. God does move. And, 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 and sometimes the persistence of seven times, sometimes we snap our fingers and God starts to move. We, we can never give up on that. That's our hope. That's what strengthens us. And that's what gives us a level of determination that we can continue to go forward. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, even if we die, <gasps> we still go to heaven we got paradise up there, streets of gold and Jesus Christ and all the other things you'd ever want in this world. Is death that bad of a thing for you? No. <laughs> it's a good thing. And does God ever answer all of us? Sure, he's going to take care of you. He tells you, I'm going to take care of you. Maybe in heaven, but I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> and, and whether or not, you know, we, we, we're vindicated here in, in the world or in, in, in the flesh and, and lightning comes down, it's irrelevant. It's, it's God, do this for somebody else and I'm fine. And if I'm dead at the end of the day, I'm dead. And, and, and it's not the end of the world. And, and if we could embody that idea, we would have the level of persistence to continue. And, and there's, there's nothing like going to the hospital and praying for somebody and saying, Lord, this guy's got, I don't know, pick a disease that's going to kill you today. And, and say, well, the guy's going to be dead. I know, Lord, we're praying for him. I know he's still dead at the end of the day. Okay. And, and God doesn't hear prayers like that. But if we had the Mount Carmel experience, good name for a hospital, I'm telling you. 
and we realize that God could come through, we would pray and says, Lord, I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what man says. I don't care what, what, what the charts say. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And, and the power of Jesus Christ can resurrect that person. He can heal that person. Yes. And, and then we would continue to, to persevere and to grow and to mature. Amen? And that's what God wants out of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Quote from Woody Hayes, shoot me. <laughs> Let's stand and close in prayer. The Heavenly Father, we do come before you and we thank you and praise you for just being an awesome God. I pray, Father, that we would take steps to be prepared and to know the right things and know that our lives are in your hand. But also, Father, give us that spark, that zeal to believe, Father, that all things are possible and you are here today to move into touch. Father, if there is somebody here that needs to get saved, make that decision to live for you. I pray that they would come forward, Father, after church and receive, Father, just a a prayer to, to, to change their heart. Father, if somebody here is sick and ill, I pray that they would come forward. We could anoint them with oil and your Holy Spirit could ignite them and change them and move, Father. We want to see you move here today, now. Father, we're willing to be persistent. We're willing to be strong. But Father... In a wicked and perverse generation that we live in, we look to you, Father, for all the things that we need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.